Alex and Peter. Good morning, my love. Good morning, my love. I just sleep last night. I went to bed early at 10 p.m. and I slept well, but I woke up at 2.30 a.m. pretty awake. So I took another Xanax at 2.30. Oh, geez. Um, well, so that I could get my full night's sleep. My intention was to sleep two hours or 10 hours from 10 to 8 a.m. Okay. Casual 10. Well, I wanted to get lots of rest and I wanted to, because I did have that, like a, a really hard workout yesterday um, with the trainer. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'll get like 10 hours of sleep. But instead, even taking the Xanax at 2.30, I woke up at 6.30, like wide awake. And so... Real quick, I want to commend your commitment to fitness uh, because you're so committed to the recovery aspect of fitness. Yeah, weren't Getting you proud of me? Yeah. After the... Oh, yeah. um, I drank seven of my 24-ounce water bottles yesterday and used the foam roller last night to... Um, for my, my, on my muscle groups I used and I stretched a lot last night. Nice. And now I'm not that sore this morning. I was really scared mm-hmm. of how sore I could potentially be this morning. Mm-hmm. And instead I feel like tightness in different areas and I can tell I used my body yesterday, but mm-hmm. nothing hurts. Yeah. So I think I'm going to take the trainer's advice and also go for a walk today. Yes. Just to like use those muscles more. Mm-hmm. But I'm really proud of my the recovery work I did yesterday so that I wouldn't feel like shit today. Look at you getting into physical fitness. I'm not getting into physical fitness. I'm, I have a movement practice. Okay. All right. Call it whatever you want. Sure. As long as it gets you doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? Well, actually, I had a question for you. Okay. Oh, wait. Real quick. Real quick. I want to point out something. I had a little personal success last night. So like 10 o'clock-ish, you had gone to sleep. And I have this desk of projects in my office. And I was like, is there one that I could knock out before bed? And there's this, we, we, my mom collects shot glasses. She's got hundreds. And from places she's never from, been. From places, well, some of them are places she's been. A lot of them are places that she's never been because people will just, they know that she likes shot glasses. So, you know, they go to someplace weird. You go to the gift shop. They got lots of chintzy shit. You get a shot glass, right? right? That says, like, you know, Hinnan Out Tahiti. Or, hey, speaking of, today's episode sponsored by Hinnan Out Tahiti. Tahiti's beer. Make every time a Hinnan Out time. Um, or, or, you know, like, whatever, right? Bahamas or, or Moscow. Or, yeah, like, how whatnot. many shot glasses would she, you say she has? Oh, do, at least. Like, it, it's got to be in the, the low three figures. At least. Wow. Um yeah, and because she's got she's got bookshelves, she's got like glass cases that are up on the wall. She's like she may even have some that, or I think she has some that are in storage. Like there's some that are that get used that are just like in the the uh, same uh, cabinet as the drinking glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just everywhere. They're fucking everywhere. So anyway, everybody knows that she likes them. Uh, I wanted to get her something, but I didn't want to get just another shot glass. So we found this little mug. It's like uh, a mini mug. It's like a mini ceramic kind of like coffee mug. Like it'd be nice for an espresso, right? It's about that. Then maybe maybe like a, a couple couple shots. And so uh, it's this little mini mug, and it broke when we were in transit. We packed it. It was packed in um, paper. You know the whole deal. Like we we tried to do it upright, and uh, I guess they really manhandled our luggage uh, from Tahiti to L.A. And it broke. And so I had all the pieces wrapped in the paper that uh, we packed it in. And so I just took those out, set them on my desk, laid them out, and kind of looked at them and like tried to see you know what could be put back together. And basically put the whole thing back together just with like a few bits that were too small and like dusty to like put back in. But I kind of puzzle pieced every little chip back. Like I crime scene investigated this thing. Sherlock Holmes did. And then I, uh, like the Egyptians, consulted aliens and moved everything into place. Good for you. How did you, what did you use to get it back together? I just went to our junk drawer and I, at first I tried to use this rubber cement that I saw that was in there, but it all dried up. So I'm glad that I opened up and realized that we don't actually have uh, that. And then I found a tube of this stuff called Dutch cement 
which I think is what I used to put the bowl back together when we lived in Lawrence on Mass Street. My bowl that the cats the broke? The cats broke, yeah. And so I think it's what I used for that. And so it's like, oh, great, fortuitous day. And so I grabbed all the pieces. I kind of, you know, Tony Starked it uh, in my mind, you know, how they needed to go in and what order. And then just kind of put the plan into action. And then a few minutes later, I had... Uh, you know, a, a mug that was back together, save for a few little cosmetic marks. Uh, I think you could drink out of it, though I wouldn't, because, you know, Dutch cement, you don't know what's going to get in your espresso, uh, high temperatures and whatnot. It's still, like, it's sitting on your desk and it looks great. Yeah, you. I mean, if you're looking head-on at it, you can't really tell that it's that it was broken at any point. So I know, you said last night you wanted to keep it. I kind of want to keep it, yeah, because I, like, put it together, but I'll, I'll give it to her. You know, it's all coming back to me eventually. Right, but it's it's a good little story for her, you yeah. know that it broke and you put it back together. Put it back for together, her. yeah. That's yep. cute. So so that that was my like little personal win that I had last night, like late. I, I was like, you know, I could just like be an idiot and watch YouTube and like that sort of thing, or I could get one little project done. I got one little project done. Good so. for you, babe. Felt good, yeah. And so yeah, that was nice. And so yeah, okay, all right. So what are we? What are we? We're, we're, uh, uh, this episode brought to you uh, not officially by these Gottman card deck questions. Liz, lay it on me. How has your outlook on life changed in the last two years? Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I want you to go first. Okay, so I think over the last two years, actually, I'm going to take a quick sip of coffee. Sponsored by Folgers. Not really. Don't sue us. Um, last two years, how has my outlook on life changed? Yeah. I would say that it has softened a lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, I... Over the past... When... Let's see. When, when 2018... So over the past five years, kind of since the, the business wound down... Your business? Yeah, since my, yeah, the business that I had with a, a buddy of mine. Um, ever since that wound down, I got, like, I, I took time to, like, really just focus on my own personal, like, mental development and physical. I was playing a ton of basketball during that time. I feel like it was your mental, physical, and mental health, like, emotional development. Mm-hmm. Going to therapy and, like, playing basketball a ton and then, like, also reading a lot. So, like... The reading aspect of things, I read a ton of, like, political theory mm-hmm. and just kind of got really angry about the world. I was up on news. Like, I could tell you everything that was going on, like, all the, like, whatever the scandal of the week was, you know, I was listening to the Johns on Pod Save America, some, like, real lib shit. It kind of got you to a dark place at points. Exactly. And so, and, and that was, like, what, like, five years ago, right, is when that was kind of at its height. And so... I, I give that context because I feel like over the last two years, I've kind of softened up on things and become less reactionary. Mm-hmm. And that's why the softening has happened because I've, and, and I think that, that um, becoming less reactionary is a form of developing wisdom because uh-huh. it's the capacity to think strategically Right. You know, to, to recognize when you're having a passionate moment. You know, th- th- this is one example. Recognize when you're having a passionate moment, right? That's that's hard to do. Right. So, and then recognizing it, not doing what you feel like doing. Right. Thinking about it. Thinking about what you want the outcome of that situation to be. And then even if it feels like you're drinking lemon juice, doing the thing that leads to the outcome that you want. Can I share from a therapeutic standpoint what I would... What I tell clients about that yeah i think sometimes when whether it's us consuming news or whatever is making us feel heated and passionate or angry and upset Mm -hmm. or distressed that really activates the right side of the the brain the emotional part of the brain Mm -hmm. and sometimes it like turns more off the left side of the brain the logic reasoning problem solving part of the brain and the prefrontal cortex part of the brain that's also for problem solving and reason and rationalization and like if we're overindulging in the right side of the brain we're just feeling mm-hmm. and wanting to act from feeling right but the counter to that is overindulging in the left side of the brain which is being hyper rational super cognitive not like suppressing emotion and and just thinking your way through life right 
and both ways are too extreme and mm -hmm. not balanced. Right. So the goal, um, it's like a, a Venn diagram. So on one side is uh, the right emotional, mm -hmm. the left side is thinking and logical, and the overlap in between is called your wise mind, mm -hmm. where you're able to access your emotions, you're able to access your rationality, utilize both effectively, mm -hmm. and come to a wise perspective or a wise um, decision. Yeah. And so that's what I teach my clients to do. Yeah, and there's, yeah, I, I think we've talked about this before, but there's a lot of overlap with that what you just described and certain aspects of stoicism right that people sometimes mischaracterize you know people think of stoics as like these unfeeling cold calculating rational people right or at least that's what they think the ideal is right but they miss all the parts of seneca and of marcus aurelius and like the other the other stoic writers where they say, you know, feel the feeling, like under, like understand where that feeling's coming from, because that can help you inform what a strategic or wise decision would be, right? Because you, you don't feel things out of nowhere. You feel them for a reason. It's, it's a, all emotions are, are a cue that something is that going, something on is going on yeah. in the environment. Right. And so, and so to, to ignore that would be to ignore one of the inputs that, that affect the equation of making the rational, strategic, wise decision, right? And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're just kind of like echoing each other at this point. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like a little bit of that has happened, just becoming like less reactionary. Um, yeah. And so so that, that kind of changing my view on the world um, and like kind of just giving up politics. Like, I don't know, like, I don't fucking care what's going on with like AOC or Trump or like, Fuck all those people, honestly. Like, I don't know. They Those people suck. They should... They, they know to do the right thing, but they're either so fucking craven and personally motivated uh, or idiots or both uh, that, like, they're just not going to and I can't fucking control that. Um, and, like, I mean, much less a violent uprising of some sort. It's probably not going to affect me all that much either. So you've kind of, like, narrowed your focus to, like, what is in your control. Very much I'm, like, sliding into what I would definitely think is, like, this bourgeoisie kind of comfort, right? Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm becoming self-employed again here pretty soon. I'm basically going to be an LLC, you know, as a person, which is capitalist as fuck. And for the realities of the world that we live in, that's the right thing for me. Yeah. And, but, like, theory-wise, politically, how I would like the world to be... They're, they're, those are very different things. You know, there's the ideal and then there's when rubber hits the road. And to be a realist, which is what I need, what I've identified that I need to be to be successful in this world. Like I can't live in a fantasy land. I have ideals, yes, but don't, don't subscribe to them so much and be so tethered to them that you get beaten up by the way the world actually is. Fight back. Wow. You that is a huge shift from like five years ago. Right? Yes. And so, because, like, if you if you do want to affect change, well, okay, if you refuse to play the game, then you have no resources. You, you, uh, you're, you're, not only do you not have resources, you're actively being aggressed by whatever system. So your mental health is suffering, your physical health is suffering, your relationships are suffering. I mean, we have friends who are still in that mindset whose lives sound like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it, it can be, like... Any hobby horse, right? Any, and, and, and like, and I don't mean to minimize it because these things, like, it's really people's lives, right? Like, I, for example, I really care about trans issues, right? Like, I, I think that, you know, in, in terms of, of that part of, you know, who people are, give them all the equal rights, enable all the medical shit, like, we're all people, give, like, basically, give everyone the baseline of humanity that I think everybody should have, right? Dignity. Dignity, right? Dignity, yeah. Everybody deserves dignity. Uh, but like, I don't know, I, I'm so comfortable now that I'm not, I'm probably not going to go out to a protest unless some shit is really going on, right? Unless something kicks off, unless there's like a trans George Floyd, I'm probably just going to be sitting at home. Like I give my $10 a month to the ACLU. I do like bourgeoisie lib shit. We vote. We vote. We, we do the electoral thing. We vote according to our yep. values. Blue no matter who, right? See how that's working out for you. Yeah. Like, Hey, guess what? Coffee break? All right. Coffee, please. But like, 
I'm, I'm, you know, we, we had this conversation with some of our friends when we were driving, um, because they're like, you know, they're, they're very nice, you know, politically minded, um, you know, democratic folk. And, uh, you know, I, I was basically kind of shit talking electoralism and basically saying like, Hey, I'm going to vote, you know, if it's Joe Biden again, sure. I'll vote for him just so that it's not DeSantis or Trump or, you know, who like whatever fascist, you know, we're, we're talking harm reduction. Right. And, but like, after that, I just don't give a fuck. Like I'm not going to phone bank. I'm not going to evangelize. I'm certainly not getting on social media to like bullshit with random people about political shit. Like you used to. Like I used to. And they got, they were like, but you've got to care about it. It's the world. Like it's the world that you live in. It's the society that you're helping to build. Like all valid arguments. But like, I'm at a point where it's like, Hey, I did it for a while. You know, like I had you when, especially when you were listening to a lot of like keeping up with all of the political news mm-hmm. and listening like to it was a job, a lot of like it was a, your part time job mm-hmm. yeah. and um, to be invested in society, like constantly consuming really angry leftist, uh, political news media, yeah, like rage bait shit, rage bait. I feel like it kept you in a really spun up place mm-hmm. where you were constantly activated over things outside of your control to the point where it affected your ment- like your perspective on the world and your mental health mm-hmm. in a way that kept you re- in a really angry place. And I feel like when you started to like stay, you still stay in more informed, I think than the average person. Um, however, like I see you taking like being able to experience more joy and pleasure in your actual life mm-hmm. and being more present in your actual life even insofar as like deleting Facebook and no longer spending hours engaging in like angry political discourse on mm-hmm. Facebook. Like I just see you experiencing more joy, presence, mindfulness. And I'm making progress on projects that I think are good for my life. You know, yeah. they, they better my bank account or they better my body or they better my mind or they better my relationship with you or my relationship with my friends or my mom. You know, like things like I only have one fucking shot at living and then I'm fucking dead. Right. I mean, barring any cosmic or, you know, religious shit that I'm not necessarily privy to. It's just fucking done. So why do I need to be up on what like fucking politician A and politician B are saying about each other now when what the fuck does that change? I'm still going to vote for the D. At the end of the day, who fucking cares about the details at this point? When you guys get to a civil war, when you when you decide you fucked everything up, the economy and the culture up so bad that we're finally getting to that point. Yeah, I know which side I'm throwing down on. And that doesn't really change anything either. Right. Like that's going to happen regardless of what I do so at this point in my life. Would you say that you're happier now than you were five years ago? Absolutely. I'm 100% happier. I, I think, you know, if you are someone who is mired in the the... I don't know, the culture, the society, the political machinations of what's going on with all of us. If that is like your fucking part-time job, take a sabbatical, give yourself a break. It will be good for you. I like fucking wear a Fitbit beforehand. Give yourself six months of wearing a fucking Fitbit before you do this cutoff. And then look at the fucking stats. Look at your heart rate. Look at how much you sleep. Look at your, like, how motivated you are. Like all that fucking shit. Look at, there will be a goddamn difference. I guarantee it. And, and, okay, so getting back into, like, worldview shit. So, like, you, you talked about, like, I did delete all my, so, like, my social media in 2022, right? I don't have a Facebook anymore. There's a Twitter that I, that exists purely because I haven't thought to delete it yet because it doesn't send me notifications, doesn't send me emails. Like, just, I, oh, and I need to log in there to do stuff for work every now and then. So that's why it exists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, other than that, I'm not online, you know, I got a LinkedIn because, like, professional people do that shit. Right. Sales shit. And that's it. And life is so much better. Uh, shout out, uh, if anybody wants a book recommendation, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Um, it's, a, it's a little old now, but it's uh, the concepts are still solid. It holds up. I think it is, it's kind of foundational reading for people who live in a digital society, I would say. Because the way that our parents and our, well, really our grandparents didn't understand smoking, you know, and they'd smoke indoors, they'd smoke on planes, they'd fucking smoke in restaurants, secondhand smoke, you know, uh, it's the filters, it's toasted, you know, all that kind of propaganda and bullshit. Nine out of 10 doctors smoke Lucky Strike, you know, that sort of thing. The way that our grandparents were about that, we're going to look at 
the ubiquity of the phone and I and some people will say social media but I, I mean the ubiquity of the phone because it's not just social media it's everything the phone enables anything you can get a notification for that's a dopamine hit that is the habituation of addiction right and that is something I've been cutting back on really hard after reading digital minimalism I have an app on my phone um, I think it's called minimalist phone it basically just turns my phone into a black and white just here are your apps it's a text list you can do a few basic functions and uh, anytime you use an app that you uh, have deemed to be one that you don't want to use very often it'll start with a pop-up that says how many minutes do you want to spend on this app and you can't spend more than 15. And I love how your apps show up because instead of being like colorful icons, yeah, they're in a black and white like list format that you have. This, to... There's there's no user interface candy. There's no like flashing well, lights or buttons or shaking things. And or what I was gonna like say that. is you have to scroll through the list to find the right app that or you want. Or search for it specifically. And it makes and be you intentional more about it. intentional mm -hmm. rather than just like seeing it and pushing the button. Yep, exactly. Pushing and, the colorful button. And all of my notifications are drawn to Like you are the only thing, like your phone and your text are the only thing that can get straight through to me. Everything else is being filtered in some way. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so I recently did the same thing with my desktop. So now I have a, a thing on my uh, Chrome browser where it's just tracking my, my same usage that I'm tracking on my phone. It's tracking it on there. And so I've, like, same thing with my phone. Like, I was spending, yeah, I like to tell people, when I first uh, installed or started tracking my usage on my phone, uh, I can't remember the exact number of hours it was, uh, but I cut it back 21 hours a week total. So I got three hours a day back. I think I went, oh, yeah, here, here's what it was. I went from something like, uh, like five and a half hours to two and a half hours. A day? A day. And uh, I've even cut that down to recently my average has been like an hour and 40 minutes yeah. on the phone uh, a day. And so I'm going to try to cut that down to now an hour a day eventually. Uh, and so I'm going to do the same thing with my computer time and just like first start out by seeing like how do I use it realistically right now? Like what are the good uses? What are the bad uses? And then how do we minimize the bad uses? Like right? Like strategic thinking. Like let's take in all of the information look at the thing for what it is, what are my options, weigh all the options, and then apply it. And for, in my mind, it's like, because you know me, like I, I've already always been that way, kind mm -hmm. of. Like I don't really use social media. Right. I haven't in a really long time. You have it, but you don't log into it. You don't go I don't, to it. You I don't, don't scroll, scroll mindlessly. Yeah. Um, I use my phone for business, like for my work, <laughs> and to text, yeah. and to call people. And that's about it. But I also try to... Like, if I'm going to do, use a quote-unquote bad app, as you labeled it, like mm -hmm. something that's just a, a filler. Cotton candy. just Yeah, yeah. like watching Netflix on my phone mm -hmm. or scrolling through Tumblr or something. I'm doing it with intentionality. Like, it's because I have a break in my day or in my evening and I want to decompress and relax, but I'm choosing it. It's not like a compulsion mm -hmm. or like a time waster. It's like, I want to fill this 30 minutes by relaxing my brain and looking at content that I find entertaining. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it feels like very intentional use of entertainment mm -hmm. when I have time to relax and not a compulsion, like, because I'm waiting in line for five minutes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I've gotten a lot, I feel like one of my strengths is like patience, mm -hmm. where if I am waiting in line, I'm going to just observe my environment or talk to people or like like strangers or, you know, just like be really present um, instead of just automatically looking at my phone mm -hmm. just because I have an extra three minutes. And so I, 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 I'm with you basically on that journey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that's been a big positive, you know, end of 2022, start of 2023 going strong. Um, oh dang, I guess I'm drinking a whole lot less. I've mentioned that basically every episode. Yeah. Um, so I haven't drank in 2023 yet and I only drank three days in the last three months of 2022. Okay. So, Any other, so your outlook on life has softened. Has softened. I've developed better habits. Um, I've given up bad, certain bad things like social media. Um, one, one thing that I want to talk about in terms of like the, the perspective changing was I read, a number of pretty heady books at the end of 2022 and started this year. Uh, one of them being the Autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh-huh. And... Great book. Holy shit. 
Yeah. That book is like, that is probably my favorite book now. Yeah. I read it in college and it really changed my whole perspective on the world. Fucked me up. Yeah. Absolutely fucked me up. When he goes to Mecca and he's like, oh my God, like, holy shit to have an experience like that, to, to talk about someone who softened, right? Like in so many ways, going from being like a pimp and drug dealer and hustler on the street to then softening to being a religious person, but still hard in its own way. And then stops and, 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 you know, being kind of like a race reductionist almost into like having that part, like, like again, strategic thinking, taking in information and letting it educate you and develop like your response to the world. But in such a, such a foundational way as to like see race is not, not something that is inherently evil, but something that is, molded and used for for like societal ills by by certain segments of society for someone like him holy fucking shit and i don't know like he's just a badass so like why not want to emulate that right love malcolm x like malcolm with the yappa um so yeah i don't know i feel like that's basically everything i wanted to get through okay um but yeah yeah so so basically just trying to develop more wisdom you know Overall, be good to myself, develop good habits. Love that. Yeah. That's great. That's a the... great way to spend the last two to five years. Yeah. So I wouldn't say five years. Definitely the last, definitely the last six months in earnest. I would yeah. say. Yeah. So, how about you? Well, I would say the last two years for me, um, it's a little more subtle. Well, I mean, you started, you ended grad school and started I, business. Yeah, 2021 to 2023, I graduated grad school and started my business. And I will say, I really learned from you, Peter, because before 2019, I kind of lived my life month by month, year by year. Mm. I never had a plan. <laughs> I never... Like, there's no aspect of my life that's ever been planned strategically. I've always just kind of, like, lived intuitively and kind of followed where the universe took me. Mm -hmm. And it's led to some incredible opportunities. Everybody should live like that for a portion of their life. Yeah, it was a great way to spend my um, college and 20s. And I'm grateful for it. But I never actually had goals. I never set goals for myself. And I think that's because I had a fear of, like, not accomplishing them and being disappointed in myself. Oh, yeah, everybody, yeah. Lots of people have that. Yeah, and so I actually learned from you the power of setting, like, short to, short-term to short goals, mid-term goals, and long-term goals mm-hmm. that are realistic and that can be motivational and, like, finding ways. I found a way to make it work for me where it's motivational without being detrimental to, like, my mental health in a way of, like, I'm going to be disappointed if I don't meet this goal. Like, I'm learning more, uh, as we call it in therapy, like mental flexibility, where I can have fluid goals. And so since graduating, I think having to start a business forced me to look forward. And, like, I had to make a business plan in, in school. Yep. And, like, it, it made me look a year ahead and two years ahead and envision a future and really in 2021 was, I think it was either 2020 or 2021 when we, I think created our first goal of buying this house. Mm -hmm. And that really motivated me. Um, when I started my business in September of 2021 and all through September, all through 2022, I was really driven and motivated to work toward that goal. Mm -hmm. And once it was accomplished, I saw the benefits of like, how looking forward can drive, like help create drive and motivation for, for me to do a job that actually fulfills me and gives me purpose. And now that I achieved my, my business goals for 2022 mm-hmm. and we achieved our personal goals of having this house, mm-hmm. um, I find myself like looking ahead and saying, okay, now what else can I work toward? Mm-hmm. Like I, it's, I'm balancing it out with being gentle with myself and still living in a day to day, month to month kind of general mindset. But I have, I have like periodic, you know, every three months or so I kind of assess, okay, what's my goal for the next six months? What's my goal for the next year? 
Um, and I try to make the goals reasonable and achievable and flexible. So now that we have that trip to Catalonia and um, France planned for, you know, June, July, mm -hmm. that gives me something to... That's our midterm goal. That's now. our midterm mm -hmm. goal, and it gives me something to work towards. And we have some personal goals over the next year mm -hmm. that, that inspires me to, you know, be motivated to, like, work hard and... We've got the next couple of years pretty thing. laid out, yeah. And so I think basically what I'm trying to say, how my outlook has changed over the last two years, is I'm no longer just living for today. I'm living for today and balancing that out with thoughtfully and intentionally working toward my future and being able to envision that future mm -hmm. in a very like flexible way where it's not rigid. Um, but like, if that makes sense. I just keep like a vague, vague goal, a vague goal for the next six months, a vague goal for the next year, something that I'm reasonably able to accomplish. And I hope that that kind of continues. Like I want to keep having little benchmarks that I'm working toward while still balancing that out with my natural way of being, which is to be more present and mindful and live each mm -hmm. day as it comes. Yeah. And I, and I think that that, you know, being present, especially is an important part of just being a human being that some people don't do enough of like mindfulness yeah like mindfulness right but <clears throat> being that we've also acknowledged that having long-term goals and goal setting and working towards those is also something that's necessary for kind of functioning in today's society striking that balance makes sense to me and i think that you're you're doing the right thing you're you're kind of being kind to yourself but, and, and setting kind of amorphous goals, or not amorphous, but like uh, hard, like, like uh, not set in stone. What, what, what's the word that I'm trying to think of? Like, like flexible. They're, not, they're, they're, they're flexible, but they're, they're, they're set. Like they're, you, it's not willy-nilly shotgun. It's like, I know, uh, you know, in some, in, in the next couple of years, I want to uh, make X amount of money or buy this property or thing. It's not like you've kind of sized the the project that you're working on as best you could but you're like there's still some things i don't know there's still some variables so we're going to allow for some some variation here exactly yes okay yeah that's kind of what i was trying to say i was trying to basically take it into like project management terms yeah um so yeah no i i think that's great so are there any other ways that your your outlook on life has changed over the past couple of years yeah i've reflected more um you know, the grad school helped with this. I really thought about how I spend my time and what I value. And I realized that one of the areas of my life that I've been neglecting most of my adulthood was my family. Mm. And I love them, but my, how I was spending my time and energy was not reflecting my love for them. Mm -hmm. Like, I realized I talked to my friends way more often than my family like, I maybe was calling my mom and my siblings, like, maybe once a month, if that, like, every six weeks. Yeah. And I decided I wanted to have the amount that I invested in those relationships be more in alignment with how much I care and love them. And so I'm making more of an effort to talk to each of my siblings. I have two. Um, I have two older half-sisters, three older half-sisters as well, but... Um, but I'm really focused on my immediate family and, like, try to talk to my two siblings, like, at least once every two, three weeks now just mm -hmm. to keep catching up. Yeah. And feel like I know what's going on in their lives. And I'm trying to call my mom every, like, ten days or so, which is a lot better than it used to be. And I think they've noticed and, like, appreciate it. So, I mean, I already spend a lot of time with you that reflects how much I love you. And I see my friends very regularly. Um, but I'm trying to be really intentional about that too. Like if I haven't, like I have a handful of friends that I see maybe every few months mm -hmm. and I'm trying to make sure that like, Oh, if it's been a couple or three months and I haven't seen them, let me text them or let me reach out to them and schedule a plan so that I, the, the amount of care I have for people is being reflected in the amount of energy I'm putting out to stay in contact or at least just shoot a text that I'm thinking of them. Um, so yeah, I guess I've just shifted my perspective a little bit when it comes to family as instead of viewing it as like burdensome or, 
you know, to reach out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find joy in having those connections and maintaining mm-hmm. those relationships and making them stronger. So that's another kind of small way that my outlook has changed in the oh, last Oh, I'd say that's years. big because, you know, you're, the, the way that you use your time kind of says who you are. Like, that's, that's one of the things I'm trying to live this year, right, is I can't really call myself a writer if I'm not writing regularly, you know? Is, is a person what they say they are if they're not doing the thing that they say that they are? Yeah. Um, and so if you want to say, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm someone who's invested in my family. Well, how how are you measuring that? Well, I, I contact my family more than the average person does, mm-hmm. you know, or more than I, I did in the past. You right. Um, you, I, I used to, when you first started broaching that idea of, like, you are how you spend your time, mm-hmm. I was really resistant to that. Everyone is. Because of... It made me have to look at myself. It challenges people. Yeah. yeah, like more harshly and be more honest with myself. That's why I like it. It's and kind I of a fuck you statement. It kind of is because I remember in our last episode I was talking about how I read a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I've, I I was reflecting on that statement of like, I'm someone who likes to read. But I realized I hadn't read a book since grad school. Mm-hmm. And so while we were traveling to Bora Bora, I read my first book since grad school. Like, cover to cover and I'm trying to spend more time reading I read some research the other month that said that six minutes of reading is really like good for the brain and like relaxes your nervous system Mm -hmm. and so you know if I if like as an example the psychology today magazine I get as a mental health professional oh there's my alarm to wake up two hours after I woke up um but like I had spare time on Saturday, so I read that magazine cover to cover. Mm-hmm. And that's because all my good books are at my office right now. I need to bring one or two of them home. But I want to practice reading more often. You inspired, inspired that, Peter. But I want to read more often so I can go back to saying I'm someone who enjoys reading. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was something I kind of valued in myself and I value in other people mm-hmm. and I admire. So, like, why not incorporate that into myself more? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like, I, I'm really inspired by you in so many different ways, but I just want you to know that, like, you really do, through your example and how you lead your life, kind of push me to be a better person, you know? Well, I, I hope that that's the case for most people that I encounter, because I want to embody someone, you know, like Charles Barkley, you know, uh, I'm not a role model, that type of shit. Yeah. Like, kind of the opposite of that like I want to live my life in a way that if like and in all aspects of my life even the even the wart parts you know the warty you know lumpy parts uh you know seen in my totality I want people to say like oh shit and reflect on themselves in some way I don't know what it will be about me it might be the way that I look it might be the way that I act it might be uh, a bit of knowledge that I share or the way that I share it um I don't know what it's gonna be Um, it makes me think, oh man, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it's a Seneca, but, um, you know, when someone enters my home, you know, I want them to admire the man, not the furniture. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of made me think, uh, on Bora Bora, uh, the trip I was like, I made such a big deal about like physical fitness and like not drinking and da, 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 da. And, um, I've had like a couple people from the trip be like, oh yeah, I started working out after the trip, da, 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 da. like a little bit more. I started doing this or like you, you and, uh, and our friend, the birthday girl from the trip. Natalie, uh, she said we could use we her could name. Use name. Okay. Yeah. So, so you and Natalie started seeing a personal trainer after Bora Bora. Yeah. Um, also kind of cause I've been needling her. Like I tried to get her to start doing convict conditioning with me. She said she would and then she never did. And <laughs> right. so I've just been giving her shit constantly the whole time. Um, but yeah, and like, it kind of gets into uh, another thing that's, I, I think, a part of this whole system. Um, and I, I think it can be summed up by the maxim that, you know, you are an amalgamation of the five people you spend the most time around. Right. And so like, you and I are a lot like each other because we spend so much time together. Mm-hmm. We've developed shared language. We've developed shared, both verbal and nonverbal. Right. Um, we have such a background of experience. And we've talked about how especially men bond through experience. Mm-hmm. Um eight years now, right? Mm-hmm. That of, we've been together. That we've been together of just doing the damn thing uh, and conversations, political, emotional, like all, philosophical, like intellectual, intellectual, all of the shit. 
Um, where was I going with that? You're an amalgamation. Oh yeah, you're amalg- and so so um, so basically, it, you know, I, I spend a lot of time around you, and I spend a lot of time around uh, Natalie, and I spend a lot of time around like basically anybody who I spend a lot of time around. I'm, I'm you might find now at this point that I'm probably needling them about something. Like Natalie, I'm like make art. Yeah. Like make fucking art now. Do it more because you've like it. It almost pains me that I see that I have friends that have talent that's not being used. Right. And I'm like, get it out, dude. Just, just do it. Do the damn thing. Like, I have another friend who, like, he's an incredible educator, but there's no fucking money in that shit, right? And I just, like, but it would be unreasonable for me to be like, teach children, you motherfucker. Like, do it. But that's, like, oh, it kills me. Ugh. And so yeah. the idea being, I want to, if, if I'm spending, if I am also being influenced by the people around me, I would like to influence them positively so that there's this positive feedback loop where I'm getting brought up too. Like, like I'm helping to sharpen their sword so they sharpen my sword. Right. right? And so then we're like a gang of motherfuckers with all these like big sharp swords. You're kind of speaking also to like what I teach my couples, which is like, rather than making your partner your priority, make yourself your priority and it'll inherently serve the relationship. Because if you're both trying to be your best selves, you're going to have a better relationship and feed off of each other and make each other better Mm -hmm. and stronger mentally, emotionally, physically, intellectually. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but we've got to do it for ourselves because we find ourselves inherently worthy and valuable of Mm -hmm. investing time and energy into bettering ourselves. And that in turn can inspire our partner. And it's that, like you said, a positive feedback loop where Mm -hmm. you're just making each other better and, I feel like if if couples do that because they do spend so much time together, they're going to find themselves growing together as a unit and more likely to grow together in life versus having life make them grow apart. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, also want to throw in that I, <coughs> that I also remembered that I have another friend in Texas who's doing dry January because of a conversation that we had about my experiments with sobriety. Right. And so I know, and oh, and he texted me the other day and he's like, I'm down 11 pounds. Right. Like, it's fucking, it's like not even the end of the fucking month. And the dude is down 11 pounds. I don't know what else he's doing, but he's just not drinking. Right. And I mean, even you not drinking has inspired me to cut back, which may not seem like it considering my hangover episode. But like I said, that was my first hangover in like two months. Um, and it used to be a lot more common than that. Mm-hmm. But my day-to-day alcohol consumption has gone down mm-hmm. significantly. Which, like, which, if we go back far enough, your alcohol consumption ramped up because I was drinking so much. So that's a negative example of the you are an amalgamation of the five people you spend all of your time around. Right. Like, I used to not drink a lot in grad school. Be, you know, a lot of it was because I had school, mm-hmm. and that's what I valued And so my time and energy went into being more sober so that I could get all my work done and stay on top of things. And at that time, you were drinking a lot, like, every day. And so after I, you know, after school got kind of easier and I had the ability to, I started drinking almost every day Mm -hmm. and more regularly. And so you're right, like, it was an influence on me. But I want you to know that, the the opposite is happening now where mm-hmm. I'm cutting back oh, um, I know. Yeah. in in ways that I think are just gonna serve my health. And I'm not I'm not trying to preach that I'm like not drinking at all because I enjoy drinking. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a it relaxes me. I enjoy drinking with my friends. Um Oh yeah, I'm not not drinking. I've just identified the days that I'm going to. I'm exactly. being very intentional and purposeful about the way that I'm consuming like just treating it like the tool that it is. Right. Right. So, yeah, look at us changing over the last two to five years. Yeah, it feels good. Uh, I feel like if we stay on this path that the next two years uh, will be very fruitful. And, I mean, long term, you know, by the time I'm 45, I want to have things developed enough to where we don't really have to work unless we want to. And we're only doing things because we want to do them, not because, like, oh, we have to pay the mortgage and the bills and blah, 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 and, you know, all that shit. Um, no, like, the the long-term plan, the, like, what would that be, like, the 10-ish year plan? In 10 years, let's try to have 
things set up to where we're very, very comfortable, uh, that we've got some things, some, some investments and assets that are doing things for us. And if I think if we focus on that, then we're not going to have a bad time. So even as you hearing you say that brought up a little bit of like, I felt an emotion, almost like fear come up. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of that residual fear of setting goals, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I'm afraid of not meeting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also simultaneously, I'm holding space for that fear part, but also that new part of me that I'm trying to develop, that new neural pathway of like, it's okay to have a goal mm-hmm. and have it be flexible and okay I uh, 10 years I have something to work toward mm-hmm. like I'm trying to view it as inspiration versus this thing lo- looming over me that if I don't do it I'm going to be disappointed mm-hmm. I'm trying to view it as like something aspirational that that is real that's realistic and flexible mm-hmm. and if it's 11 years instead of 10 or 12 years instead of 10 that's okay too but it gives me something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm just holding space for both of those, both parts to be true. Yeah, and, and so jumping back to something that we talked about earlier with the whole, like, uh, uh, you know, not ignoring and not feeling an emotion, but feeling it and recognizing why it's there. Right. You know, that, that whole concept. So, like, that that fear of goal, or the, the way that you had described it is, like, a fear of having goals, right? Uh-huh. You can You can reposition that feeling and say, oh, that feeling is the feeling that I get when I'm on the precipice of a new growth moment. Yes. You know, like th- this is this is not a thing to be afraid of, right? This this you, this thing you labeled as fear earlier, this feeling. This feeling is not necessarily fear. It is the the it's the feeling that uh, that animals get before an earthquake or before a tsunami, but like not a bad thing, right? Yeah. You know, it's that it's the universe saying to you like, "Hey, get ready!" Like you're on the cusp of you're something. On the cusp of you're on the edge of glory. Well, and one of the th- lessons you taught me in grad school, because remember how periodically I'd have a breakdown mm-hmm. throughout grad school, which is not uncommon because grad school is really hard grad and really is, stressful. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. Um. But uh, Peter taught me this thing in my second year that really stuck with me, which he was like, Liz, I've noticed that every time you have a breakdown and you feel like you can't do it anymore, you feel like you can't um, write the paper or, you know, keep waking up at 5 a.m. to study. He's like, every time I see you have a breakdown, I see you overcome it and grow stronger afterwards. And it helped me not to fear the breakdowns, but view them as like, Oh, I'm on the cusp of growth. Like mm-hmm. I'm a change or transformation is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Like this it's like your mu- it's like when you work out really hard and your muscles are sore and like have tears in them and break mm-hmm. down. Yep. And then they they grow back stronger and the, the the tears in your muscles grow grow them back even stronger than they were before. Mm-hmm. You help me see my mental health that way and like not be afraid of being in a hard place but viewing that hard place as like the catalyst for growth. And that was really impactful to me. And it really helped me get through a lot of hard times in grad school to know that like, oh, it's not that something bad is about to happen that I feel this way. It's that something good or growing or transformative is about to happen that I feel this way. And that helped me get through a lot of hard times. So thank you for that. Yeah. All right, dear listener, uh, take away marching orders for today. If you haven't recently uh, set aside some time, like a couple hours this weekend or in the evening during the week or whenever's most convenient for you, and kind of like look at your short-term goals, you know, how like, <coughs> actually, let's jump back. Look at how you've spent your time. Figure out how you're spending your time. If you don't know, install some apps like on your phone and your computer or like do a little journal at the end of the day, whatever. Start keeping some kind of data just so you're aware of how you're really using your time and identify things that you want to change. Maybe it's cutting something out. Maybe it's developing a habit. Maybe it's... And when it comes to figuring out what you want to change or do or who you want to be moving forward, Mm -hmm. at least in the therapy world, we're big on identifying what you value Mm -hmm. and is how you spend your time in alignment with what you value. Yeah. Or are you putting more hours towards things that aren't in line with your personal values? Mm -hmm. And if you're not putting enough time into something you value, put more time there. So like just basically a redistribution of time and energy and effort and have it be proportionate to how much you value X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, that, that makes me think of uh, another quote that I'm going to butcher and, and possibly misattribute. But I, I think uh, Friedrich Nietzsche said that if a man knows his why, he can withstand any how. Yes. And uh, I think that, you know, that kind of echoes what you're saying about values and uh, kind of kind of like supports like the motivation factor yeah. uh, for like why you do a thing. Like not just being intentional, but like you, you it's easier to be more intentional about things if you care about them. Right. And so, um, so yeah, identifying your why and then... And it doesn't at... have to be a capitalistic why. Like, mm -hmm. like some people kind of like, I'm kind of this way. Um, I really value relationships. Sure, yeah. And, like, I view, like, my relationships and having love in my life, whether that's romantic or platonic or fami mm -hmm. familial, I think I value that over everything. And so I put my, like, most of my intentional time and energy into building and strengthening my relationships and the sense of community around us. Mm -hmm. Like, feeling like we have a strong, tight-knit community in Kansas City that we can, you know, spend time with and depend on. Mm-hmm. And then I think right after that, I value a more capitalistic goal, which is building my business. <coughs> and like, so then I spend the second most amount of time working on business related pursuits. Mm -hmm. And then it's third after that is like you and I's personal life goals. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to spend a, the rest of like my time and energy and effort into the short term plan, midterm plan, 10 year plan mm -hmm. kind of a thing. So, yeah. Like, so it, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is for anyone listening, like your values can be whatever you want them to be. They don't have to be what society values or our culture values. Values are very mm -hmm. personalized, very individualistic. And like, as long as you're living in alignment with those things, I feel like I, we like only, I, I don't want to say like only good things will happen, but I think. You're going to be more likely to have the outcomes that you want if you're being intentional about them. If you're being intentional and yeah. mindful about living in alignment with your values and your yeah. goals. Yeah, and you know, for some people they develop, uh, you know, little aphorisms or, or acronyms to remember, um, you know, the things that they value. Um, for example, on Jersey Shore, GTL, Gym Tan Laundry. Yep, that what was you value? the value. Just go, you go to the gym. What, what, if you don't know what to do in that moment, you think, Gym Tan Laundry, oh, am I not at the gym? Have I been to the gym today? Have I gone tanning yet today? Oh, I haven't? Oh, it's, it's time to go tanning. Don't even think about it. La do I have dirty laundry? I'm doing fucking laundry. And then guess what? You're, you're getting fucking buff. You're looking like a bronze god. And you got, always got fresh kit on. So, like, I love how on. you're referencing Jersey Shore right now. That's hilarious. Use it to better your life, folks. You can, you can find wisdom anywhere. Hehehe. <laughs>